leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like him. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me this week, I've got a very special guest. He's a regular on the program and a fellow 2018 Sports Business Classroom alum, Stephen Lowe. Stephen, thanks so much for coming on. Now, uh, Stephen, we're going to be breaking down the uh, the first second round series that uh, that materialized after uh, both teams, the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics, were able to sweep their first round opponents. Toronto taking out Brooklyn in four, and uh, Boston impressively taking out Joel Embiid and the Sixers in four as well. But uh, Stephen, as a as a big time Raptors fan, what was your thoughts on uh, how the how Toronto performed in that opening round? Uh, it was it was great. You know, they took care of business. They were clearly the better team, and uh, they didn't blow game one. So it's it's, <laughs> yeah. a, good, it's a good start for a playoff series. You know, as a Raptors fan, uh, it's it's actually quite a new feeling to not feel the. Uh, that playoff anxiety I generally feel <laughs> in the first round of a series. Um, so maybe that goes to show it's a, it's a it's a good sign for this team. Well, and uh, speaking to the 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 game one sort of uh, jinx that the Raptors had, uh, there, there's a lot of people I've heard talking to that uh, with Milwaukee dropping game one to Orlando, just like the Raptors did last postseason, that that was actually a sign of very good things to come for the Bucks. It's a, it's a proven formula. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, the the Raptors all season long have been this absolutely fantastic defensive team, and nothing has changed. In fact, it's maybe even gotten a little bit better in the bubble, and also they're, they're led by uh, uh, 
Nick Nurse, who who was named Coach of the Year in the NBA, I think well deserved. But uh, really, in 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 this matchup against Boston, you know, you've got two teams that are both in the top five defensively. I'm guessing this is going to be a matchup that's that's kind of going to kind of be a, a grinded out affair, half court affair. Both teams also, you know, they like to get in transition, but both teams are are excellent at, at sort of taking that away. Absolutely, it's it's going to be a game of matchups, and uh, I'm excited to see. You know, Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens, probably two of the brightest young coaching minds in the game, uh, two excellent defensive coaches too, to see. The adjustments they make because you're absolutely right you know the Raptors love to get out transition and uh, I think the Celtics are one of the best teams at limiting that so um, it's going to be a, it's, 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 I think it's going to be some low, lower scoring games than we saw last series for, for both teams perhaps yeah and uh, game one of this series scheduled for this upcoming Thursday at 6 30 p.m eastern time but uh, there was actually some news today, Stephen, uh, from from Malika Andrews and Tim Bontemps. They uh, they tweeted out that the Raptors are discussing a are discussing a variety of ways to respond to the police shooting of Jacob Blake in a team meeting, including potentially not playing against the Celtics on Thursday. And then uh, Woj dropped a bomb, a quote from Fred Van Fleet. Fred saying, at the end of the day, if we're going to sit here and talk about making change, then at some point we're going to have to put our nuts on the line and actually put something up to lose rather than just money or visibility. But, uh, you know, I I think all of these players obviously had social justice on their mind going into the bubble, and there was the concern that these games would just be a distraction, and you see something like what's happened to, to Jacob Blake, an unarmed black man getting shot seven times in the back uh, it it does put things in perspective and and the raptors are threatening to you know really put their money where their mouth is and say you know that things are more important than this game on thursday night yeah i mean uh i mean i i, I saw those tweets as well i didn't uh, get a chance to read that article yet but uh it'll be interesting to see uh, you know whatever they do decide to do uh, i you know the, this team uh, has been outspoken about their, the has allowed the players to be, be outspoken about issues that they care about uh, all postseason and uh, you know since, since the return and I think that the team will give them the full support whatever the players or the organization as a whole decides to do there so uh, you know it'll be something to monitor but uh, no I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the series but if it doesn't happen it, it doesn't happen and I'm sure they'll, they'll have a good reason for it. Yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, and, and yeah, it'll uh, it'll also be fascinating, you know, if, if Toronto essentially boycotts on Thursday the game one, if if Boston follows suit and and stands with them, or or what happens in, in that situation, we've never seen we've never seen anything quite like that uh, in uh, really probably since uh, the '60s where. Uh, a lot of the NBA players boycotted or threatened to boycott the All Star Game to uh, to uh, to develop a, a players union. Yeah, no, you're right. I think that it's been it's been mentioned uh, by the Clippers during the, the, the Sterling. Oh uh, yes, yep. I think that was a playoff game as well, where the, that that was on the minds. I I want to say it was I want just to say it was against the Warriors. Um, I think that was discussed at the time, and they ultimately chose to. 
to play. Um, so I mean, it's uh, it's something that's definitely heavy on the minds on a lot of a lot of players. Um, so the, you know, it's uh, it's it's hard to predict, right? <laughs> what's going to happen there so i guess it's just kind of a wait and see type of situation yeah well um you know there's there's a chance that the the rest of this podcast will become pointless <laughs> but uh, we're going to we're going to break down the this series anyway and uh, hopefully hopefully it happens and, and hopefully the nba continues to to strive to do more to be outspoken on these issues and make sure that the uh you know these games being played uh, is not a, a negative on our society. It actually is is beneficial and, and actually promotes action and and justice in the world, um, especially in America right now. But uh, the the other thing to talk about off the court that uh, might impact this series, of course, the Celtics losing Gordon Hayward in uh, in their round one series against Philly. He uh, suffered a grade three ankle sprain i believe it was the opposite ankle of the one that he uh, he he severely injured a, a couple years back but uh still a situation that likely is going to keep hayward out of this whole series and then toronto in their game four victory wrapping up that series against the nets kyle lowry twists his ankle and uh so you know you've got a couple of teams with with uh, one of their starters, one of their key scorers out here. But uh, Lowry did not practice today. We're recording this on on Tuesday, August 25th. He did not practice, and Nick Nurse considers him day-to-day with that ankle sprain. But uh, Steven, looking at that injury, uh, it looked pretty serious to me. He he twisted it pretty good. Yeah, so it was... My immediate reaction was that it looked like a a sprain, and then he didn't check out of the game initially. He actually tried to play one more possession, but then immediately they had to foul, and then he kind of hobbled off there. Didn't look like he was able to put a lot of weight onto it. Um, it was it was what was a little bit strange. Was post game Nick Nurse actually said that he thought it was the, an arch of the foot issue and not an ankle issue, and that, and that really concerned me because that, that made me think that you know it might be uh, a bone involved in when it when it comes to a foot injury. It's just much harder to predict. Um, but then the next day they came out after the MRI and said it was a it was a left ankle sprain. So um, I think he's going to play. Uh, for Raptor Alvin Williams, uh, who's also from Philly and a close uh, confidant of, uh, of Kyle Lowry, came out on on a uh, Canadian sports network and said that he spoke with Kyle and thinks that he's ninety nine percent he's going to play. Uh, I guess the question is if he does play, you know what. What, what level is he going to be at, and how much will that injury hamper him? Because uh, it certainly didn't look like a. Uh, it certainly didn't look uh, good when he uh, when he hopped off the court there. Absolutely. Well, uh, if if Lowry can recover any anything close to the way Luca did for the Mavericks, I think the Raptors will be in in decent shape. Um, but uh, yeah, assuming Lowry is able to play uh, in this series. I was curious to get your take on on the Gordon Hayward absence for the Celtics, and you know it, it ended up not being much of a factor in the in the Philadelphia series. They were still able to kind of just roll and, and still were able to, to score effectively. But you know this Raptors defense is a whole nother level than that that Sixers group. And uh, yeah, wh- what are your thoughts on on Hayward not being out there, and if that uh, if that changes things as far as uh, as far as this matchup, I, I think it absolutely 
does. Uh, I think Hayward looked really good in the bubble uh, prior to the to the injury. Um, you know, he's never really regained his Utah form, but uh, it, it seemed like he was really embracing his role as uh, kind of a secondary or even tertiary ball handler in that in that motion offense that, uh, that that Brad Stevens runs. And then uh, I, I think you know Boston's just not as deep of a team as Toronto, in my opinion. Uh, you take away thirty minutes from Gordon Hayward and. You know, the, the players that are going to be replacing him are, are, are going to have a much tougher time. Um, and then in, just in terms of matchups, like, I know we're going to get into this more in depth, but I think Gordon Hayward's size in that starting lineup gave Toronto a lot of problems. And they're going to start Marcus Smart instead, which I think is a better matchup for Toronto, even though he, uh, he's probably going to be uh, assigned with guarding Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet uh, for the majority of his minutes. Um, on the other end, it just makes it much easier to guard because Toronto does kind of play a smaller lineup there. So uh, I think this is going to be a big loss for, for Boston. And, you know, they might not have felt it during the Philly series. I think they're definitely going to feel it this series. Yeah, and uh, you, you're absolutely right about the depth for the Celtics. You know, Stevens has has really only trusted the likes of, of Brad Wanamaker and, and Enos Cantor off the bench. And, you know, he's kind of just played it play different guys depending on the matchup um but uh, yeah if you all of a sudden take smart off the bench put him into the starting lineup yeah that uh, that rotation for the celtics becomes probably seven or eight guys at most whereas toronto is able to go 10 or 11 deep pretty effectively so yeah in the event that say kyle lowry misses uh the the first game of this series who do you imagine is going to uh to get some extra run for for nick nurse It'll be Norman Powell. Um, he'll be the guy that's going to step in into the, the starting lineup. Um, and Toronto's had a ton of injuries uh, this season, which feels like a really long time ago, but uh, it was <laughs> the prior this, during this prior year. And uh, Norman Powell's like stepped up and uh, played great with the starters uh, alongside Fred VanVleet or Kyle Lowry. So you know he'll get more of a role there, and um, you know he will definitely you know won't be able to have the same impact as a healthy Kyle Lowry, but he attacks the game in a different way, um, can, can, can provide some uh, some good offense there, and it's a, another player that really thrives in transition or look to push it. Yeah, and I, I would imagine coming off the bench, maybe Terrence Davis would get a little extra run. He's kind of been on the fringes of the rotation for, for a lot of this bubble time, but you know, another guy that is, uh, has proven to be a, a solid rotation piece when you, when you call his name. Yeah, absolutely. Been a guy that's uh, been in and out of the lineup um, for, for Nurse. Uh, he's uh, still gets the rookie treatment from Nurse every now and then. You know, if he's not showing the defensive effort that Nurse expects, uh, he'll get benched. But uh, no, he'll, he's definitely someone who uh, can step in and, and make big shots and uh, has more confidence than an undrafted rookie. Uh, you would expect an undrafted rookie to have. Now, one of the things about this series that you know I think is is got to be concerning for Toronto is that uh, you know the half court offense. You know the Raptors have not been that great of a half court offense all year. They've thrived in transition and they've thrived off their defense. But in a series against Boston, especially if if the likes of Tatum and, and Kemba Walker are shooting the ball well and, and the Celtics offense is humming and the fact that Brad Stevens is going to have his team disciplined to, to make sure that three or four guys are back on, on defense every possession to, to prevent easy looks for the Raptors. There is a concern 
uh, whether the, the Raptors can score enough in this series. And that matchup during the, uh, the bubble, that, uh, that, that Boston beatdown of the Raptors just a few weeks ago, that game has is, is got to be a little bit concerning. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's been the knock on Toronto uh, all year. Um, you know, what, at what level they'll be able to create uh, in, in crunch time in those half-court scenarios when uh, last year, you know, the, they had probably the ultimate release valve in Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he's not around this year, and you're playing through uh, more through Pascal Siakam, and it's kind of his first year in that role. Um, so, you know, I think that that's going to be something that Boston is going to focus on. You know, they're going to get back on defense, try to get Toronto in the half court as much as possible, and then uh, try to neutralize uh, Pascal Siakam and make the other guys beat them. So I think that it's going to be a really important series for guys like Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry to create off that dribble when... Uh, when they're in those uh, tighter situations there. Yeah, and one of the things that was was pretty evident in that game, I noticed, was that when the Raptors kind of went with that that, uh, five-out offense, Boston was able to kind of just, um, with their help defenders, just be in those gaps, prevent any drives, force the immediate pass after just a single dribble, and then just be willing to, to live with, uh, you know, contested threes by the Raptors players, and and you know when Matt Thomas uh, is not on the floor for Toronto, you don't, you know that team doesn't have anybody that you're truly just terrified of shooting beyond the arc, and uh, I think that's something Boston is willing to live with in terms of you know stopping that penetration and and forcing Toronto to beat him from the outside. Yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right there, uh, and I think it's. Uh going to be a really important series for uh, Ibaka and, uh, and, and Marcus Hall there. Because um, Daniel Thais, you know, he, he has the ability to come out there and guard them, but he doesn't want to. You know, and I think that uh, Gasol had a couple open looks early in that in that Boston game where it ended up being a, a blowout. But, um, you know, if he hits a few of those, and uh, it really does kind of change the game and change the way that the, that the uh, Celtics will have to guard him. Uh, and allow him to play the way he wants to play, which is to be more of a facilitator in, in the half-court offense. So I think it's going to be a really important series for them. And uh, if, I, if you were to tell me that they were able to average a combined 25 to 30 points a game this series, then I would say the Raptors are going to win running away with it. But uh, there's no guarantee of that with, uh, with, with the, the defense that, uh, that the Celtics will throw at them. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting series just from a, a shooting perspective for for each team's center. You know, Daniel Tice, not the greatest uh, greatest shooter. He's he's just three of fifteen in the playoffs so far from three. Marcus Saul just three of eleven. But uh, you brought up the guy that I think is going to be important for Toronto, Serge Ibaka. He's eight of fourteen from downtown, having one of his best shooting seasons of his career. And, uh, you know, especially in the event that if Marcus Saul is not providing that spacing that the Raptors need and their offense is really struggling, Nurse has the, uh, has the ability and has shown a willingness to just throw out Ibaka for the majority of the minutes if, if that's required. Absolutely. He's been, he was red hot uh, in that Brooklyn series. Uh, he, he was a spark plug off the bench. So if, he's, uh, if Gasol's struggling, he'll uh, be quick to... Uh, Look towards search to kind of provide that spark, uh, and the level of confidence that he's shooting with right now is, is quite spectacular. <laughs> if you just think towards like two years ago when uh, 
he was kind of playing in that four spot next to Jonas Valanciunas and being forced to shoot the three, he was just not shooting that with confidence at all. And in this Brooklyn series, he was shooting a couple of threes there where he was two feet behind the three-point line and just pulling up from the top of the key. So uh, if he's going to be making shots like that, I think that's going to open things up a lot for Toronto. Well, yeah, and it's not just been you know hot shooting in that uh, in that small sample. I mean, he's he's hit thirty nine percent of his threes for the year. So yeah, he's had he's just been he's been great and uh, and putting up his probably his best season as a, as a Raptor impressively. So yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting and and yeah for for Boston to you know speaking of the whole Gasol Ibaka dynamic as well you've got to factor in those two guys and and their differences in play on the defensive end because you you know that Boston is going to go to uh, Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum and have Daniel Tice set screens for them and they're going to be looking to to hit those pull-up threes and Ibaka might be the better option for that as well because he's he's a more capable switch guy and he's also probably a little bit more adept at at getting out and, and showing on those actions. Yeah, no, I think that, that you're definitely right on that. You know, Gasol's been a guy who has, uh, you know, handled some of the more bruising centers and a guy that you can kind of throw at some of the larger wings. Um, but he looks a little bit slower right now so far in the playoffs. And uh, he's sometimes, you know, it's not his natural inclination to come out and challenge on some of those shooters. So Ibaka might actually have a, a bit of an advantage there. So yeah, what um, as far as the this Celtics team? I mean, obviously without Hayward, they they've still got these these three really good scores and and two guys in, in Kemba and Tatum that have that off the dribble threat and Jalen Brown, kind of that guy that that plays off of them, plays in transition and and usually puts up eighteen to twenty points without having a single play called for him. But uh, out of those three guys, I guess which of those guys maybe concerns you the most? And uh, which of those guys do you think the Raptors have the potential to, to sort of take away with either scheme or personnel? Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, Tatum's got to be the guy that you're, you're most concerned about. Uh, you know, the, the Raptors have a lot of versatile, long defenders to throw at him, but he's been playing at a level where uh, he seems to be able to get a shot off <laughs> regardless of who they're throwing at him. Um, you know, he's improved a lot as a passer as well, so... Uh, Maybe trapping him won't be as effective as it may have been in, in years past, but um, that's probably what's going to end up happening. Uh, I, I imagine OG Anobi's going to draw the initial uh, assignment to guard to guard Tatum there, and then uh, Pascal Siakam will get his fair share um, guarding him as well. And, uh, but he, he's definitely the biggest threat with his ability to you know make tough shots and and create space for himself, whether it's from three in the mid range or get to the rim. Um, so I think that he'll be the biggest threat there. Um, in terms of uh, who the Raptors can neutralize, uh, it, it feels like it's going to be uh, Kemba Walker. I mean, he's had a, he had a really good game last time around against Toronto, but um, you know he's a guy that the Raptors have kind of some some uh, some some good guard defenders in Bowery and Van Vliet and even Powell for for stretches there um, that they can kind of throw at uh, throw at Kemba and then uh, a guy like Pascal who on switches can kind of keep up with some of these smaller guards. So um, that's someone that I think that uh, they'll look to neutralize. Jalen Brown's just a tough guy to neutralize because, like you said, he's not, there's no plays being run for him. So it's uh, it's hard to throw a guy in to neutralize. And a lot of his buckets are coming in transition, off offensive rebounds, or 
on some of these broken plays or, or kickouts. So, um, I mean, I think I think Jalen Brown's going to get his 15 to 20 points, um, and the Raptors will just look to, to try to close out as hard as possible on him. But it, it'll, it'll be tough to completely neutralize a, a player like that that kind of plays off broken plays. Yeah, um, you you made a really good point in terms of the the Raptors' potential pick and roll defensive strategy of of maybe blitzing the likes of, of Tatum and Walker and and Toronto with their length, their athleticism, their collective basketball IQ, especially in a seven game series where they can really start to hone in on on tend- player tendencies and 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 uh, the the team sort of set plays. They have the ability. They're one of the few teams that I think can can successfully put two on the ball and still run around and make things incredibly difficult for the opposition. Correct. Yeah, I think that it's a uh, we'll see we'll see a unique defensive scheme being thrown at the Celtics at some point during the series. <laughs> yeah, triangle and two maybe. <laughs> Potentially the triangle and two. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't put it past us at all. <laughs> Yeah. Um, on the other end, I think the the thing that that uh, that'll be interesting to see is you know how how Toronto attacks Boston, especially if the Celtics you know that starting lineup they they run you know one through four they they seem like they're going to switch just about everything, um, and and how the Raptors are going to go about attacking that one one way that that I think can be pretty effective, but also something that. You know, has has kind of become sort of a uh, an old school strategy, something that most coaches don't particularly like anymore. But but I think potentially posting up Pascal Siakam against this team could be a, a pretty good strategy for one. If you can get him five to ten feet away from the hoop on the post up, you know, it's harder to help. And 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 also, you know, that the Celtics again aren't going to be playing a traditional power forward, so Siakam should be able to to get his shot off over over anybody guarding him. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I actually have been uh, a big proponent of wanting to see Pascal play more in the post and, uh, and kind of catch the ball off movements uh, a little bit more to get his offense going. You know, he's been he hasn't been playing bad so far in the bubble, but I don't think he's been at the level that he was at. Um, at points during the season, um, you know he's been starting a lot more of his offense, you know, behind the three-point line, kind of playing face-up and, uh, and and being a primary ball handler. And I think that if they were able to kind of get him back into the post more, uh, I think that that would be an effective method. Uh, who do you think is going to draw the initial uh, assignment covering uh, some of these Raptors here? I would assume, and from. From what I've seen in in the previous matchups, it's usually been the likes of Jalen Brown guarding Siakam. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I typically think Boston tries to let Tatum be on kind of a weaker offensive player because Tatum is really good with his help uh, help defense. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they put Tatum on OG and Anobi and and force OG to hit some shots and make some plays off the dribble and allow Tatum to kind of roam free a little bit and clog things up, whereas, you know, Jalen Brown might be just the, the better pure athlete to throw at, at a guy like Siakam. Yeah, I think you're right. Jalen's done a good job this season guarding Siakam in, in their two meetings as well. So, um, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see, but uh, I, I agree with you. I think if uh, Pascal just kind of has that size advantage on Jalen in the post and... Um, they can get him down 
into some uh, some deep post position there on Duncan's or or even on just pure post ups. It'll be uh, it'll be good because Pascal has that ability to pass out of those if the, if, if they do collapse uh, with Tatum maybe collapsing and cheating off of uh, OG there. So uh, I think that I think you're right. I think that that would be a, a good way to kind of try to attack. See, I mentioned earlier, you know, that, that Brad Stevens kind of likes to, you know, base his who comes off the bench based on the matchups and things. And, and we've seen in some of the games that uh, he's even used Robert Williams against the Raptors kind of to, in almost in a way, to just match the Toronto's athleticism out there on the floor. Um, so, so wouldn't be surprised if, if Robert Williams got some run in this series. But uh, who are who are some of the guys, Stephen, that you would expect Nick Nurse to go to off the bench in this particular matchup? Guys that that you expect to get consistent run? Yes, I mean uh, Nick has uh, he's consistently gone to his, with the majority of minutes to his top seven, so that would be the starting lineup of of, uh, of, of Lowry. Uh, assuming that he's healthy, Lowry would be a starter, and then uh, with um, with Powell and Serge Ibaka being the the sixth and seventh guys off the bench. Um, with the eighth guy, he's kind of rotated around. I think that uh, this will be a series where we'll see some Matt Thomas, we'll see some uh, Terrence Davis because uh, you know it's going to be some smaller lineups from the from the, the Celtics here, and then those guys will provide some shooting. Um, and then he sporadically has kind of rotated uh, between uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson or Chris Boucher, depending on matchups. Uh, I think this might be a tough matchup for for Rondé Hollins Jefferson just because of the you know the, he's a, he's another guy that plays a little better in transition and he's another guy that needs to kind of be in that dunker spot otherwise he's just not going to be guarded because he's not a three point threat so maybe Boucher gets a, a, some minutes some more minutes there but uh, I, I would be I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if neither of them get a heavy playing time uh, and he kind of sticks to that that eight or nine with uh, Thomas and and Davis. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, Hollis Jefferson gives them, you know, maybe their best option in terms of switching, which could be very valuable against this Celtics offense, but at the same time, you've got to worry about scoring enough points on the other end. Uh, and, and, and also Brad Stevens can go with a guy like Enos Cantor, who might be able to just, you know, put Hollis Jefferson under the basket. Exactly. I think it's actually it's maybe more likely that... Uh, some of those minutes where we might have seen a Hollis Jefferson uh, come in and play the four or five, that uh, we might actually see a lineup that the Nurse brought out kind of for a few minutes against Brooklyn, where he played Pascal at the five. Yes, I, I definitely want to see some that's, more of that. I think that that's definitely something that uh, we might see a bit of this this series. Absolutely. So this is going to be a tough question, but. Uh, in a matchup of, of probably, of arguably two of the top three coaches in the NBA, which team has the coaching edge here? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, with, uh, with heavy bias, I'll give it to uh, Nick Nurse with the championship experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's a tough one, right? Like, I think this one will be, uh, both of them will have some, uh, some coaching pride on the line here, with, considering some of the young, creative minds in the league. Absolutely. The next thing on my on my uh, notes here is uh, which players do you think might be an X factor in this matchup, and that can be a player for the Raptors or the Celtics. Uh, interesting question. You know, I was thinking of uh, Robert Williams as being a deep 
X factor just because of what you mentioned. You know, he's come in, he's came in and gave some good minutes for the the Celtics there off the bench. Uh, and you know, as a as a Raptors fan, I would much prefer to see Ennis Cantor <laughs> come out for a couple minutes just because I think that uh, that would give a, a Raptors a uh, offensive point of attack <laughs> to to put him in the pick and roll. Right. Um, and whereas you know you might not. Yeah, whereas Robert Williams might actually be more at that uh, with his uh, with his athleticism to kind of uh, cover some of those coverages. It's it's interesting to think with as far as you know that uh, yeah the the Raptors attacking either Cantor or Williams. It's it's honestly you know with with Cantor you're yes you you like that because of his uh, slow feet. You know you can you can take advantage of that and pick and roll and just beat him just based on pure athleticism but with Williams you know he's he's got the athleticism but he's also a younger you know less experienced player so with the Raptors with their ball and man movement they might be able to to create some openings with him out there as well right right it's just uh yeah you're absolutely right you know that, that that's probably why uh Stevens has only played Williams in spurts <laughs> right uh, in some of these games but uh if he can come in and you know, give the give the Raptors some trouble, and you know, maybe play Mark uh, Marcus all off the floor. Uh, you know, that would be big for the Celtics. The the other interesting thing that uh, I, I like to, to discuss with these with these playoff previews is, you know, if if a team gets down 0-2 in the series, what are what are some things that they can go to? So, Stephen, I'll ask you if if Nick Nurse and the Raptors are are down 0-2. What uh, what sort of out of the box? You already mentioned he might go to some some crazy wacky defenses, but uh, right. what are some what are some out of the box things that uh, Nick Nurse could come up with to try to uh, to without any sort of home court advantage in the series, which we didn't really talk about. You know, the Raptors right. as the two seed do not get that uh, do not get that benefit. But uh, what are some things that that uh, he can do to change momentum here? Yeah, I mean. Uh... It's, it's, it's a weird one, right? Because like, what, what teams usually do is they'll make some sort of lineup change. Um, I don't know if that's going to have a huge effect for the Raptors just because of you know how much run some of those lineups have. But uh, perhaps you know switching uh, an Ibaka and Gasol might have some some benefit there. But I, like I said, I think the, the crazy move would be to to shift Pascal to the five and insert uh, and insert Norm Powell into that lineup and play a super small lineup and you know maybe that that's how they choose to uh have this uh, super switchable defense and then give themselves some more opportunities to to kind of uh, get out and push on on offense with a with, with a small lineup there so that could be something that nurse goes to i don't know if he switches that to a starting lineup but that's a lineup that i've mentioned that uh i would like to see more of and something that he might lean more on if uh if the raptors kind of fall into a hole there yeah, that's a that's a really interesting idea. You know, another thing I think could be that uh, that could be interesting as well is the idea of you know, especially if if the the Raptors are struggling to score offensively. You know, this is kind of a, a simple idea, but you know, we've seen it in the the OKC Houston series with uh, the Thunder in at the ends of games three and four, just relentlessly attacking James Harden. You know, if, if the Celtics are going to switch a lot of those 1-4 actions, uh, Toronto could 
could theoretically just try to, uh, you know, attack Kemba Walker over and over again. And speaking to the fact that you said he he is probably the one guy the Raptors are going to, you know, try to take away. Uh, you know, if you get him really working hard on the defensive end, that can that can be an, a, an additional benefit to maybe making him struggle a little bit more on, on the offensive side. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's absolutely a good point. You know, if they're going to switch a lot, uh, almost every player, like, I don't know who's a, a player that he would be able to switch on against the Raptors that wouldn't, uh, you know, be able to take him, kind of punish him in the post. Uh, that's including Kyle Lowry. <laughs> right. so, uh, uh, that's definitely something I could see um, being uh, a, a way to kind of neutralize uh, Kemba. Well, yeah, and I think that's something that uh, you know is a little bit underrated with this Raptors defense. Not only do you have all this athleticism, you have all this this great basketball IQ, this great coaching staff, but uh, you know. There's uh, you, you can't you can't come up with the attack Kemba strategy on the other end. Like there's no one on this Raptors roster. Even when you you talk about guys off the bench, I guess I guess if you uh, uh, if if they start playing Matt Thomas to get more shooting, he's a guy the Celtics could attack. But really, other than him, uh, you know, all of the rest of probably the top ten on this roster in this rotation. Uh, really can't be attacked relentlessly like that. They're just all solid to, to really good defensive players. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's kind of been uh, Nurse's emphasis, and that's why he's kind of stuck with these seven guys. Uh, these are the guys who have had the most experience on the team and the, guy that, the guys that he uh, trusts most on the defensive end, um, which is uh, which surprised some people because you know, he came in with the reputation of being an offensive coach. But uh, when it came to came to those rotations, he's really valued uh, the defensive versatility above, you know, offensive production for some of these bench guys. So um, that that that'll kind of uh, I think that he'll continue to emphasize that in some of those rotations that he'll play, and that might be a reason why you know you only see Matt Thomas minutes against some of the bench lineups that uh, that the, the Celtics have, so that he can maybe hide against a, a, a poor shooter or, or, or a smaller play off the uh, Boston bench. The fascinating thing about this this Raptors team and, and this series in particular for me is, you know, you, you talk about pri- prior to Kawhi coming, um, you know, this second round really was the time where the Raptors kind of seemed in over their heads, you know, go, you know falling to the Cavs uh, multiple years. And then the one year where they, they got a couple of pretty easy rounds in the first couple of rounds and made a conference finals but then they were clearly overmatched uh, against that that Cavs team but uh you know without that uh, that truly superstar player that that top 10 guy um it, it'll be fascinating to see how well this Raptors team holds up and and the other thing too you know with with Pascal Siakam a guy that won most improved last year is uh, you know, should even be considered for most improved this year. But without Kawhi there, you know, this series and moving forward, this is going to be the real test of, okay, is this guy ready to be that number one option on a championship contender? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'd like to point out that uh, at the very least, the Celtics team doesn't have a prime uh, LeBron James like those Cavs teams do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully... Uh, Maybe, uh, hopefully that was uh, the main reason for some of those uh, playoff disappointments, if you want to call them that, for the, 
the Raptors. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, I think Tatum has kind of, uh, early in the year, I think a lot of people were looking at the way Pascal was playing and uh, talking about, you know, where he ranked among the, amongst the young forwards in, in the East. And then uh, Tatum's play on kind of the back half of the year has kind of surpassed him. Uh, so it's going to be a matchup of, you know, two young stars that have improved a lot over the last couple of years. And then, um, you know, I think that it's a, it's a matchup that we're going to continue to see in, in the Eastern Conference for a number of years because both these teams look like, you know, they have the makings to kind of stay in that top of the East region. Absolutely. Um, so speaking to, I know you mentioned uh, a few guys that you thought were the X factor. I'll, I'll mention a couple of guys that I think are going to be pretty, pretty crucial in, uh, in this series. And for one, you know, Marcus Smart, you know, he's obviously going to be uh, terrific defensively. I thought he was excellent in that Philadelphia series in terms of digging down at the post and making life uncomfortable for Embiid. Um, you know, he might not have as many guys that he can just stray off of with this Toronto Raptors team, especially with the likes of Lowry and Van Fleet spacing out, you know, a few feet even beyond the three-point line. But, but uh, you know, Smart is a guy that, you know, the perception is that he's improved as a shooter and has gotten better and better as his career has gone on, but he's shooting 7% from three in the playoffs. He was one for 14 in that series versus Philadelphia. And especially given that Hayward is out and Marcus Smart is stepping into that starting lineup, you know, this Raptors team gives up a ton of threes, but they often give it up to the right people, the right personnel. And if Marcus Smart, you know, shoots 35% or if he shoots 20% in the series, that that could be the the difference maker there. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely hit the nail on the head there. You know, I, I think we, we kind of discussed how the Raptors may try to blitz um, some of these Tatum and, and Kemba Walker pick and rolls. Um, and I, I, would, I would tell you that the guys that they'll try to help off won't be Jalen Brown. It'll probably be Marcus Smart or Daniel Price, and they're going to live with so, some of those threes um, that they'll give up. And, you know, the, the Raptors are, are good at recovering and trying to contest some of those shots, but you know, there'll be semi-open threes, so it's, uh, it's uh, it, they'll live with that shot. So it's a matter of whether or not he's going to hit them. Uh, so I, that, that'll definitely be a, a big difference maker. You know, the Raptors gave up a lot of threes to that Brooklyn team. Uh, and eventually, you know, those guys stopped, stopped making them, but uh, they, they didn't have as many weapons as the Celtics do. Yeah, um... I was I was pretty impressed with Brooklyn the way they played, uh, given the the lack of personnel they had. Although you know after after Joe Harris left the series after Game Two, I knew it was it was basically over. But those first two games were still were still pretty fun to watch. But um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. You know, speaking of uh, you know from the Celtics' perspective, if Boston somehow gets down, I shouldn't say somehow because it's very po- plausible that they could get down 0-2 in this series. The Raptors are are an excellent basketball team. But, uh, you know, I think with Stevens, you know, again, with the, with the bench that he has, you know, he'll sometimes go with, again, depending on the matchup, he'll go with Williams or Cantor. He's even got, uh, he's even got Grant Williams that he, can, that he can use as kind of a small ball five as well. Uh, so he's got some versatility. So, you know, if, he, if 
certain guys aren't uh, aren't producing at, at a good level those first couple of games, he can kind of mix and match. And uh, you know, he's even got Romeo Langford who brings some more wing athleticism off the bench that he can try to throw out there. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I think these teams are 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 really well coached. They know each other pretty well, even though again we. Uh, we were mentioning before we record started recording that they, this is the first time they've ever met in the playoffs. Um, but uh, they they know each other well. They play they've played each other about four times every year for for a long time, and and uh, they're two teams that have had a lot of playoff success. So I'm sure both coaches have have been watching the other out of the corner of their eye for some time now. But but yeah, there's not uh, the, there's not a lot here. I think it, a lot of it's just going to come down to. Uh, what teams can can get some some easy transition opportunities? What teams can yeah can turn their defense into offense? And what teams are going to be able to hit some of those semi contested threes at a, at a higher level? Yep, uh, I think that it's going to be an important series for the role players uh, for sure. And uh, you know, I think it's going to it's arguably going to be the best matchup of the second round. I don't know what you think about some of these other uh, matchups that look like they're shaping up here. Um, but I think this will be one of the better matchups. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. So, uh, Stephen, was there was there anything else that uh, about this series that you wanted to discuss before we, we get to our predictions? Uh, I guess, uh, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, I guess, who, who do you think is going to be the... Uh, secondary uh, playmaker for the, uh, I guess not playmaker, but who's going to be the second biggest threat um, against these Raptors outside of Tatum? Do you think it's going to be a big series for Kemba Walker, or do you think Jalen Brown or, or maybe even someone else is going to be a, a big threat here? I mean, I think I think early in these games, especially when the Raptors have Gasol out there, they're going to to try and, and get Kemba going, I think, you know, with those with those pull-up threes, with Gasol, Gasol potentially dropping back, um, you know that you made a good point though. If they if they start taking Kemba away, blitzing those, you know, Kemba isn't the tallest guy in the world. You know, he might not be able to um, make that sort of that pocket pass, that that pass that sort of pierces the defense. That'll be interesting to see. But but yeah, I mean, it's got to be Kemba, right? Without Hayward. Um, you know, Jalen Brown can create some, but again, with, with how good these Raptors wing defenders are, uh, I don't necessarily like going in isolation too much. Um, so Kemba is that one guy, especially when the Raptors are playing a, a traditional center that, uh, that has the ability to, to light them up. And, and yeah, without Hayward, they're going to need, uh, you know, big series from, from at the very least, two of their their three scores in the likes of, of Tatum, Kemba, and, and Brown. Right. Yeah, I, I agree there, and, and I think that's kind of why uh, you know when when I think about you know what you mentioned there with Gasol um, kind of uh, dropping back a bit. You know, I think against Thice, you might be more willing to kind of come out hard and blitz there because. You know, you, you pressure uh, Kemba to make that pass to a, an open Thice in the, in the, at the top of the key and then have him going four and three. You know, he's he's going to have to prove himself that he's going to be a guy who can uh, who can make that next pass or roll hard um, against uh, a scrambling defense and, and make plays. And uh, I think the Raptors will live with that, too. Yeah, you know, Van Fleet and Lowry are excellent at that screen navigation. If, 
you know, maybe they would be able to, to drop Gasol back occasionally just to mix it up and, and get around those screens over the top quick enough that they could disrupt Walker's shot coming off that screen even with a, with a, drop, with a drop defense. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, you know, playing two small guards, you know, two guys that obviously can, can handle themselves on the block, but also, you know, are, are, uh, are skinny, can, can, can get around screens reasonably well, and are used to, as, as guards, dealing with a bunch of ball screens, you know, that their ability to, to get over those and, and contest from behind is going to be pretty crucial. Yeah, I think that uh, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting chess match. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I guess one thing we didn't talk about was how Fred Van Fleet is has been playing. He's been <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's been lighting it up too, which I guess is part of the reason why I think they could win this. Is you know they're gonna they're gonna the, I think the defense is gonna be good. It's gonna be a lot of you know teams hitting tough shots, and I think Van Fleet is is playing out of his mind at the moment. Yeah, I don't know about the initial matchup, but I do think it, it might be one of those situations. I uh, it, it'll remind me of the um, what was that the the 2017 series between the the uh, the Thunder and Spurs where. Uh, Popovich had, you know, one great defender in Kawhi to try and slow down Westbrook and Durant. And uh, it was like, uh, you know, when one guy got going, he put Kawhi on him. And then when the other guy got going, he put Kawhi on the other guy. But um, I, I could I could see that sort of happening with, with Lowry and Van Fleet. Whichever guy's kind of got it going, they'll just put smart on him. Yeah, and, like that, and that's the other part with, uh, with Hayward missing. You know, when the Hayward was there, they just had the size advantage where, you know, they can, you can play a lineup with, you know, Hayward and, and Smart, right? And, uh, and, and just have a ton of size on the, at the guard positions. Right. <laughs> you can throw these guys, and then that's something that Van Vliet has, uh, has historically struggled with in, in, in past playoff series, right? Like, against that big Philly lineup, you couldn't really get it going. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's... If it's going to be Kemba on him, I think that's something that he would, that's somebody that he would enjoy attacking too. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting one for, uh, to see how Brad Stevens wants to attack this. Because uh, I, I think you're absolutely right that, the, that Kemba's going to be a guy they're going to end up having to target at some point in the series to get some offense going in the half court. Yeah, and um, that, that's the other thing about, you know, being down to three great perimeter offensive players as opposed to four is with with four he could he could always for all 48 minutes have two of them out there and then probably for close to half the game have three um whereas now it's like he can probably uh um, stagger him enough that there's still two out there for most of the game but it's going to limit the amount of time you can have all three And, and again i think that those lineups with three of them out there are going to be the ones that are going to be able to capably score, whereas anything with two or less, uh, it's going to be a struggle. And yeah, you're asking Jalen Brown and uh, Marcus Smart to do a little bit more um, in terms of the, in terms of being primary ball handlers and creating, and that's something that uh, you know that's something where uh, Hayward took a lot of pressure off of them in, in some of those uh, bench lineups. Right. Yeah, I. Um, 
I'm very excited. The uh, again, this has been I think their their regular season matchups this year they weren't particularly close, but oh. um, but in previous years I remember there being just some some dandies of some ball games between those two teams. I was talking to some, some friends about this, and it's funny because if you go back to some historic regular season matches between these two teams, the guy that's killed, that, that used to historically kill the Celtics was, was DeMar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would just absolutely kill the Celtics every time they played. <laughs> I was like, man, <laughs> I hope that there's a guy that could step up because he's been a guy that... Uh, that was always just seemed to show up against the, the Celtics team and uh, gave them gave them some trouble. Uh, I mean, they're different teams, of course, right? It was uh, you know Kyrie Irving guarding him at some points, so, uh, and it's, it's very different uh, with a younger Tatum and Brown. But uh, yeah, I thought that was that was a pretty interesting guy. And I, when I look back and check some box scores, I realized that he was absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Uh... Let's let's hear it, Stephen. Who do you have winning this series and uh, moving on to the conference finals? And in how many games? I have the Raptors in seven. Okay. So prior to Hayward going down, I was I was thinking that this was going to be Celtics in six. Um, that's kind of how I felt about it. The, like that that game in the in the reseeding games where Boston just blew them out was really concerning, and when they had those four guys in the starting lineup, there there wasn't anybody the Raptors could could really help off of effectively other than Tice, and he's he's most of the time setting the screens. Um, but, uh, yeah, with him off the floor, that changes things, I think, pretty significantly. Not only is that starting lineup for Boston much more guardable now, but the bench isn't as good, and the Raptors will have that bench edge. So I, I'm going with you. I originally had Boston in six, but with Hayward out, uh, assuming... Lowry plays in this series and at most misses a single game. I'm in agreement, Raptors in seven, but uh, I am I am so looking forward to this series. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be uh, one of those series where it's going to swing around a lot and there's going to be some games that could go either way. And uh, you know, I'm just really excited to see some high level, some high level uh, NBA playoff basketball again. Yeah, and, I, and I've always been, I think, a little bit uh, higher on the on Siakam's ability to create in these environments than, than most people. So I think he, he's uh, capable of having a big series. And if anybody is is uh, is going to put him in the right positions to succeed, it's going to be Nick Nurse. So, uh, Stephen, this, uh, this was a heck of a lot of fun. It was good to have you on the pod again. Thanks so much for, for coming on and taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for having me on again. And uh, hopefully we'll have some more, uh, some more to discuss down the road. Down the road. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television, so uh, uh, 
If you're looking for some of my takes throughout the the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he uh, he does a d- does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. Uh, Corbin also is the site expert for the fan-sided website Valley of the Sun, which talks all things Phoenix Suns. So you can check out uh, what he's doing there. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.